Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of hope to raise faithful kids. I'm Tony Kolank, a professor at Ave Maria School of Law, also the father of five, a columnist with Practical Homeschooling Magazine, and the author of my medieval teen fiction series, The Harwood Mysteries. By the way, if you've got a middle or high school reader in your life looking for that perfect summer reading series, definitely check out that series on my website. And you will also want to check out all the books from our guest today, Bill Myers, who's a best-selling author and filmmaker. We're going to be speaking about some of his series, including his latest release, and talking about the impact of media on children. I'm thrilled to have as my guest today, Bill Myers. He's a filmmaker and author whose work has won 70 national and international awards, including the C.S. Lewis Honor Award. His work has sold over 8 million copies. He co-created the very popular McGee and Me series, and he also wrote, directed, and starred in several Adventures in Odyssey episodes. He's also the voice of Jesus in the NIV Audio Bible. He lives in Southern California with his wife, and uh, Bill, it is just such a pleasure having you on The Shepherd's Pie. Oh, thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. So you have got so much in your background. I was telling you before we started that Adventures in Odyssey was always a a favorite of my kids, my older kids when they were uh, younger. Just wonderful to see all that you've been able to do. Uh, so maybe talk a little bit about your background, uh, you know, how you got into even uh, writing and filmmaking before we get into your current works. Oh, okay. I'd love to. My lifelong ambition as a child through high school was to be a dentist. That was my goal. I had seen three movies in my life. I grew up in the uh, Cascade Mountains in Washington. We didn't get out much. I'd seen Pollyanna and uh, The Parent Trap and Pinocchio. And now my freshman year at the University of Washington, I saw the fourth movie in my life, and its title was The Godfather. And, you know, there's the massacre and the blood and all the murder. I just stared at that screen numb at what I was watching. But even more disconcerting were my new friends were standing up at the end of the film cheering that people were getting killed. I walked out of that theater just telling God what he needed to do. You need to, you know, I don't know if you're paying attention here, Lord, but there's power in story. And what you need to do is you need to raise up people to make those movie things. And get... I'm sorry, what? No, 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 no. You're, you're not paying attention. And every time I told God what he had to do, it's not that I heard an audible, but that this impression just kept coming back and kept coming back. I made a, a promise to the Lord at about 18, always to say yes to him, always regardless of how informed, uninformed he may be of the situation, I would say yes to him. At 18, you can get away with that type of, uh, I don't know, that type of boldness. So uh, I left that theater telling the Lord what he needed to do. And every time I said that, it bounced back at me. And particularly the promise always to say yes to him. So I changed my major to filmmaking. Didn't even know how to watch a movie, let alone make one. And uh, that was sort of the start of it all. I did make it clear to the Lord that because of some communication problems, I wouldn't be a writer because that, I mean, smart people are writers. There's no way I can do that. But, you know, anything else, uh, you just count me in. And of course, he pulls that on me again. And uh, just he just keeps elevating me beyond what I'm sure I can do. Uh, and you mentioned McGee and me. I, I got that 
job kind of the same way I got everything else by kicking and screaming and saying no. This they brought in what they said were uh, eighteen of the most creative Christians in the country to this fancy hotel, and uh, they were right. There were seventeen of them, and then there was me. And these guys were brilliant. Tony, there's a guy there who worked on Happy Days, and you know he's saying, "Well, when I was helping Ron Howard, and I'm trying to fit in, and I'm going, well, I've seen an episode of Happy Days." Another guy over there gets uh, Amy Grant's gets her career going, and I'm saying, "I've got an Amy Grant cassette." The key to my success, and I'm not being humble here. This is the truth. The key to my success is I'm a coward. I'm a crybaby, but I just keep saying yes. It's like all my Christian friends have gotten into the into the grandstands to watch the game, and Jesus is down on the field saying, okay, anybody want to play? And everybody's looking at their shoes because of their mortgage or their car payments or the kids get through school. And I'm going, ooh, ooh, pick me, me, me. And it's like, okay, Bill, come on down here. So my whole life has been, in my estimation, catastrophe after another as he keeps drawing me into places that, uh, that I have no place being. But nobody else will go there. You mentioned Adventures in Odyssey, the same thing. Pretty much I uh, picked up the phone and and they asked me uh, if I'd be willing. And after I broke into tears and <laughs> came back, I said, yeah, sure. What is it again? So, yeah, the key to my success is uh, crybaby coward. Uh, but somebody that just is naive enough to keep saying yes, even when they're totally unqualified. Apparently, I'm not being a big enough crybaby then, uh, because uh, it, it looks <laughs> like give me some lessons. <laughs> it looks like some of the opportunities that have come your way have been the kinds of things that uh, most Christian writers uh, and filmmakers would just be like, "Wow, it would be so wonderful to be part of these things." So, so maybe let's pivot to to that fact. I mean, you've got a lot. If you go on your website uh, and just look at the number of books you have for kids and teens, you've got so much out there. And I know your most recent series is this Magnificent Mulligans series. So maybe tell us a little bit about your kids' writing and, and maybe focusing on the younger kids for now. Well, in my agenda to impact culture, I noticed that adults uh, don't pay as much attention to the media as kids. We do to a certain extent, but when I get really serious with uh, my filmmaker or producer friends and I say, what films influence you the most? Much of the time they'll go back and talk about a film that they'd seen as a child. So it became really clear to me that if I wanted to change lives, the place to go was with the youngsters. Uh, I have a quote from D.L. Moody that says if he could go back and do his entire ministry again, he would devote it entirely to reaching children for Christ. Even though I do write uh, some grown-up projects, uh, my passion really is for reaching the child before the world gets them. And believe me, the world has uh, some agendas. Uh, nobody wakes up in the morning evil, uh, but Satan does. And there's a whole lot of influence in the media uh, and if I can counteract that, whether it's through McGee and Me, whether it was through Adventures in Odyssey, whether it's through the Magnificent Mulligans, count me in. So tell us about the Magnificent Mulligans and, and especially your latest release on that one. Sure. It actually started out years ago with Adventures in Odyssey. I created this family whose, <laughs> whose uh, motto just happened to be, just say yes. 
every time God asked them to do something, they would say yes. And pretty soon they start bringing in adoptive and foster kids into their family. Pretty soon they start bringing in stray animals. And before they know it, they're running a, a wild animal park uh, with eight foster and adoptive children from all over the world. So we did that as a radio series. It was it was popular. Other things happened and we had to move on. But then when we pivoted back and talked to the good folks at Focus on the Family about wanting to do a children's series for them again, that surfaced. Because one of the things I learned with McGee and me was the best way to teach is through comedy. And if I can have enough comic mayhem going on, I can bring in deeper teachings. And so that's what we're doing with the Magnificent Mulligans. It's basically the same premise, a family that is multi-everything, including uh, running a wild animal park. So as the kids learn to put up with each other and to work together, we also work in all the, the business of animals. I remember asking Focus, I said, what, what things interest children, in your opinion? And they said, well, children interest children. And, uh, you know, if you could, Bill, if you could just work in an animal, I can work in an animal. How about a whole 118 animal wild park? Well, yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's what it is. Part of it is knowing what kids like, but that's just the candy coating to get the message into the project. Yeah, and you talk about yeah how how much I mean that's one of the reasons I'm writing for the age group also. I mean you see how much the media can impact our kids mm. at those young ages, and nowadays, as you point out, it seems like others have an agenda, and the age is getting younger and younger when they want to push that agenda. But I'm kind of wondering how you work maybe faith or some of the the themes that are important to you into your series. Is it very explicit? Is it, I mean, how do you work it so it's it's organic and, and interesting to the kids? I think that some of that comes over years of experience. One of my agendas is to teach, but not to get caught teaching. Uh, so I, I try to keep the entertainment level high enough so that the child keeps turning the pages and going to the next chapter and on and on and on and then try to work in the message in such a way that it doesn't stand out that it's just an organic part of what's coming out of the story or what's coming out of the character's heart uh, so it's not slapped on it, it hopefully i remember i had a agent in hollywood actually one of the top agents in hollywood who had a number of my screenplays and he was representing uh, me and taking them around. And he was about 80 years old. And I I knew, I don't know if I wanted to share Christ with him because I was concerned about his salvation or my own guilt if he happened to die and didn't hear about Jesus. So I, I shared that with him. And he thanked me. And he went back and read the screenplays again. And then he, he brought me back into his office. And he said, well, Bill, I, I see what you're up to now. Just as soon as you get rid of that Christian insert expletive here, uh, we'll be on our way. Now, I don't tell that story to talk about the problems with Hollywood. I tell that story to say that even a pro couldn't tell what I was doing until he went back and figured out, oh, this is what he's doing. So it is. It, it's a matter of practice. It's a matter of entertainment. And uh, just making sure that as you're designing the story, it comes out of the character's heart not out of some 
propaganda need that the writer has. What's fascinating about that story you just told is not only that the agent didn't pick up on it the first time through, but it was so organic, and yet the agent still wanted you to get rid of it. I mean, it that tells you <laughs> something about the level of, of the agenda there. Have you had any of your uh, books turned into movies uh, put out by anyone? Uh, yeah. Actually, oddly enough, once again, the Lord's... Uh ganging up on me uh, some folks have have uh, encouraged me to uh, start a motion picture company so we have a film company that's going around uh, talking to the studios and we're making some leeway there we've had uh, in the past one i don't know one two two or three i think films that have been adapted from the books it's interesting i was just answering an email from a young writer before we started talking you know, and the idea, oh, if I could just have my books turned into a movie, well, you can go deeper with a book. You can have your own agenda with a book. When you start talking, bringing in other creatives that maybe have a different mindset, uh, you start losing control. For people that think being produced is the end all and be all, it really isn't. The writing of the book is, is I think, where the ministry comes in to the writer. And I think you can go richer and deeper uh, when you have control of the project instead of turning it over to people that rightfully so are making a living and they want to sell as many whatever as possible. That agenda is slightly different, I think, from a writer that wants to uh, change culture. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, as one of those writers who always is like, oh, I would love to have my series, you know, in movies. That is exactly the thing I worry about. If you know, if we're going to turn <laughs> over my rights to some other person to take what I've done, and then, like you said, maybe have some some people who say, "Okay, this is great. Let's just take all the good messages out of it now, and we'll fill it with some other messages." That's like my worst nightmare. So I think, I mean, I do think it's great. There's so much good Christian movie making going on, and I'm sure there are trustworthy people out there. It sounds like you're working in that area now yourself. The atmosphere has changed slightly, uh, and, and that's good news. If, uh, other storytellers can prove that their story can make money without sacrificing the message. That's great, and I think we're starting to see that happen. So now you also have other series for older kids. I noticed you actually have a series for uh, that's kind of supernatural series. It looks like it's for more teenagers, the Forbidden Door series. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Tyndale House Publishing Company, I really admire. In fact, they're they're publishing also with Focus, The Magnificent Mulligans, called me up one day and said, Bill, there's a whole lot of teenage fascination with horror and the supernatural. Could you write a, a Christian uh, horror series? Uh, and so we did this uh, 12-part series called um, Forbidden Doors. And each book dealt with the kids uh, dealing with particular supernatural counterfeit from a Christian perspective. So, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, again, that was optioned by, I won't use his name, but by probably one of the top horror motion picture companies in uh, Los Angeles. We didn't go very far because it didn't, uh, it didn't meet the criteria. But again, that's an example, I think, of working in message to such a point that people aren't necessarily intimidated by it. Do you see the impact of the supernatural as one of the main concerns we should be thinking about with media and our kids these days? 
I think so, because as, as we create this vacuum, a supernatural God no longer exists. I think the human soul is designed to be hungry for a supernatural encounter. Uh, and if it's not going to be God, if it's not going to be Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit, there's always something else out there that's willing to counterfeit that. So uh, I see a, a huge hunger for a supernatural relationship. If, if we insist that God's not going to fill that hunger, there's somebody standing in the wings waiting to do that. Yeah, and that, I guess, is maybe a good segue into the other series, this Rendezvous with God series that uh, <laughs> you've talked about. It sounds like one of your characters in there is searching for God in his own way. This is actually my favorite adult series. Don't tell the other books that because they get so jealous. But it's, uh, again, a little bit of whimsical comedy, but it's about a, a college professor who is agnostic, who, quite against his will, keeps getting sucked back into time to have these off-the-record conversations with Jesus Christ. Kind of ruins his day there. Uh, he's, trying, he's feeling a little schizophrenic. And from time to time, Jesus pops up into his world, too. Of course, he's the only one that can see him. And so he's learning these things almost, almost grudgingly uh, and starting to fall in love with God, uh, almost grudgingly, as he sees who Jesus really is. I wrote that series because I think uh, Jesus is being misrepresented, um, particularly by the media, but they keep looking upon the uh, oh, the deliverer that was in Palm Sunday, right, who would do all the government and political stuff, and he'd change the world from the outside in, uh, where much of what I read, what our Lord says is, I want to change you from the inside out, and that'll change culture. So, yeah, I, I, this this series is called Rendezvous with God. I think there's two out. There'll be a third one out as he goes through the process of eventually becoming a believer and then dealing with the issues that believers have to deal with, including temptation. The third one deals with prayer and we just keep going down it. But again, in a whimsical, comedic way, uh, as he keeps making mistakes and Jesus is a is a bit whimsical with him, too, sometimes elbowing him a little bit and, and teasing him and goading him on. And, and the mail I'm getting from people uh, is encouraging, too. It's like, now I get who Jesus is. or Now I get that Jesus isn't a philosophy, but that he's a deep soul relationship. And I'm writing it differently, too, Tony. I, generally speaking, I have an agenda. I sit back in that chair uh, in the back of my office and uh, hang out with the Lord for quite a while in the morning before I write. And I make it clear to him all the things that I want to accomplish and uh, all of that. And, and then I sit down and write. But with this Rendezvous with God series, I write myself into a corner and then I turn and pretend that Jesus is sitting on my desk and I go, okay, now what? And the answers that bubble up <laughs> are pretty profound. Uh, and so I, you know, oh, that's good. Let me put that down. So I, I've never written that way before, where it's instead of praying and then writing the writing and the prayer is an ongoing process so so the books for me are almost like like prayer uh, the actual writing is, is is a back and forth conversation i don't know if that's going to get me committed or not but it seems to be doing the job as far as some of the deeper things jesus says again without getting caught preaching 
I hear what you're saying on that. I, that does make me curious about your writing process, though. You've obviously been very prolific, and you've described some of what you do, which is is great. Um, do you tend to have all your books plotted out in advance, and and, and then do they take on their own life, or, or how does that work for you in, in your practice? My background, again, was a filmmaker and a, a screenwriter and a director. You don't have a lot of time to go down rabbit paths. You know, you have basically 120 minutes in a feature film. That's it. Uh, unless you're a big shot, you can, you know, squeeze in a, another few minutes. Uh, so I've, I've always worked from a tight outline. If I'm doing a full-length novel, I'll spend about a month outlining it, running the scenes through my head on the legal pads and just seeing if it all flows. Uh, but the magnificent mulligans, in fact, as, as soon as we're done chatting here, I'm going to start outlining uh, book number one, two, three, four, six, actually. Of course, it you know it takes a while for them to hit the market. So I think number two is the book that we're talking about today. But yeah, I'm outlining number six as soon as we, uh, we're through here. And I'll probably do that the rest of the week. So you have no lack of energy for writing, it sounds, despite uh, the number of books you get out there. Well, people say, what's the best thing about writing? And you and I probably both have the same answer, and that is being done, right? It's excruciatingly hard work. But when you and I look at the need out there, that's the motivation. You know, that's the motivation when we see uh, with your youth series and with my kids series, when we see how they're being brainwashed, that's our motivation. I th so it, without sounding too saccharine, I think our motivation is, is love for God's children. No, I think that's exactly right. I guess with a motivation like that, you just keep going. So let me ask this then. If folks want to get a hold of all your different series, learn more about you, where do you tend to like them to go? Probably the best way to keep track of all those uh, trees that I've killed is just to go to my website. They have different categories and and uh, sample chapters to see what what excites them or, or what they think is, is most needed. That would be a f the first step I would go to. And, and that's, it's billmyers.com, not too difficult to remember. You know, if you can, if, if there's still a Christian bookstore somewhere near you, uh, I always encourage the reader to go there first because those mom and pop shops are trying to keep their head above water. But if not, then of course, everything is on Amazon, including stuff that, hasn't been vetted by publishers now that there's all this uh, noise of people learning to write and god bless them for learning to write but now they're published too so it's it's hard to wade through what's uh maybe what's more accomplished yeah definitely and i appreciate your shout out for the mom and pop bookstores i i always say the same thing if i'm talking it's yeah it would be great sure go to amazon or christianbook.com or something but how about just keeping your local bookstore in business too, if you have the time and, and that way they can request it and get it on their shelves too. And that way, you know, your book will be there. And in, in these hard times now uh, for bookstores, you know that those mom and pop shops are not doing it because they want to make big bucks. They're doing right. it because their hearts ministry as well. Absolutely. All right. So as we wrap up, if you had a parent or a teacher or a youth leader or somebody who came to you and said, you know, Bill, I'm concerned about the impact of media on my kids or the kids in my classroom. You know, what's your best advice for me to be able to help them? 
I would say, and it's difficult in this fast-paced world, but watch what your child watches. Even if it's just sitting down one time with them and looking at a show, I'm not in favor of putting our head in the sand and completely cutting off ourselves from all culture because your child is going to see something at a slumber party or in a high school presentation or certainly in college they're not prepared for just as you know i'm thinking of how shocked i was when i saw the godfather so i think part of it sadly is to prepare our children francis schaefer used to have a a game called name that lie after they'd watch a program he would sit down with his children and say okay let's talk about what's truth here and what's not and i have to tell you i'm a little concerned sometimes with my christian brothers and sisters who are so busy counting swear words that they don't see a more nefarious theme that's uh, surrounding the story um, you know, well, this this show isn't so bad because they only cost once. All right. But what's the theme of the show? What is it saying? So I think, I guess, uh, sort of the same answer. Watch what your child watches. Be willing to discuss it with them. Uh, and certainly set up boundaries. But then the other thing is watch deeply the uh, agenda behind the show. Because nobody writes neutral Everybody writes with a certain agenda, whether they know it or not. I know uh, several writers in the children uh, area in film and TV who see it as a startup position. So they'll just crank out whatever's necessary to build up a career. And whatever's necessary, whatever gets sold usually is a bit more West Coast liberal, where I live, by the way, than the rest of the country. Good advice. I appreciate uh, that, Bill, and very much appreciate having you on the show today. Uh, it has been uh, my pleasure and honor to uh, to talk to you about your series. Same here, Tony, and, and blessings on you and your work as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for the show today. We've been speaking with Bill Myers about his series for kids and teens, especially the uh, new Magnificent Mulligans release. This is Anthony Barone Colank. If you have a question for me or a topic you want me to cover, just drop me a line on my website, antonycolank.com. Also, of course, you can learn more about my historical fiction series, The Harwood Mysteries, there. Until next time, may God bless you and your families as we work together to raise faithful kids. Thank you.